Welcome to Extra Butter. I am your co-host, Josh Friedman, along with my trusted other hosts, Ezra Babcock and Samuel Len Mangold Lennett. You guys might remember them as the dynamic duo behind Screen Time with Zra and Len, a classic Bearcast media banger of a podcast. But we are reuniting to bring you the latest movie news. Uh, it's good to be back, fellas. How are you guys? I know I haven't talked to either of you guys since the last episode of Screen Time aired in 2017, 2018. So it's been a good four years. How are you? I have aged horribly. We can tell. Well, you're still an undergrad, right? That's true. I am in, I believe, year 11 of my English degree. Uh, it could be year 15. Uh, there's a reason I'm not a math major. So I don't know. Time will that's, tell. That's a good joke. I like that. That's original stuff. Ezra, how about you? How have you been? I've been doing great. You know, I feel amazing. The wife and I got a divorce. You know, she got custody of kids, so I'm free finally. So she's available. Um, <laughs> yeah, Lenny, if you want, I can set you up with her. Um, but no, I'm I'm doing great. You know, uh, the pandemic has really given me a chance to get in touch with my hobbies. Which are watching movies. There's a we just watch movies. Those are my hobbies. That's my only hobby. So it's perfect that we're doing this. So, <laughs> excuse me, COVID. Speaking of movies, what have you fellas been watching as of late? I know I've been checking off some stuff on my watch list. How about you guys? Well, like I said, it's my hobby. So I've been watching quite a few movies. Um, this past year, which ended a, you know, a week ago, watched about 330 movies exactly. Uh, so that was almost a movie a day. Uh, but this past week, I watched... Four movies. I watched the uh, Tim Burton's Batman from 1989. Good movie. I watched. I actually uh, like Meeks. Batman Returns, by the way, the second iteration of that that series a little better. And the world. Well, I think that's just because you have a crush on Michelle Please. Pfeiffer. No, I have a crush on Danny DeVito as the Penguin. <laughs> See, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, had a crush on a uh, Walken from that movie because you know yeah. the Ice yeah. Guy or whatever, the Mayor something. <laughs> Yeah, um, I also, you know, my issue with the 89 Batman is the giant gothic church in the middle of Gotham. It just, I don't know. It doesn't seem like it fits. I you know, think it's supposed to be, take. I think it's supposed to be like a, a parallel to uh, St. Patrick's Cathedral in uh, New York City. Um, but I could be wrong. <laughs> what have you, you know, <laughs> excuse me. We're just some Midwestern boys. We don't understand these New York references. Yeah, we're, we're not we are in flyover country, as they say. Speaking of flying over, Len, what have you flown over and watched on your watch list as of late? That transition was doing work. Um, I've been watching a lot of uh, animated situational comedies, if you will. Um, I finished my seventh rewatch of the American classic, The Simpsons. Um, I started getting into American Dad uh, by Seth MacFarlane, um, but it's just not really picking up for me. So I might switch back over to King of the Hill. Not quite sure. Uh, Movie-wise, uh, I just watched The Muppets Take Manhattan. Uh, that was a, a very moving piece of cinema. In the theaters, I recently rewatched uh, House of Gucci. And, I'll have to see uh, that, by the way. Oh, definitely recommend it. It's my favorite thing. No is spoilers, how Jer- please. Oh, I won't. Um, <laughs> although I think Louis Vuitton might win in the end, all things considered. Um, 
the best part of it, I think, was Jared Leto's just playing an like, old guy. Like, just hire an old actor. Right. Like, why do we have to keep doing this with Jared Leto every I, single time? I mean, he's a good actor. It's just it's, yeah, he's an Academy Award winner and a cult leader. Apparently, it's just like, but, dude, we we get it. You're a weirdo. You don't have to send bats to Margot Robbie. You don't have to live <laughs> like a vampire for Morbius. You don't have to cosplay as an 80 year old for House of Gucci. It's like, okay, dude, we get it. You're a weirdo. You're committed. My favorite Jared Leto story is at the outset of the COVID-19 pandemic. He's like, he's this weird hippie freak. So he goes on like these meditation, like holistic, like therapy trips and whatever, and brings a bunch of his like cult followers with him. So they didn't have any technology. He didn't find out about the COVID-19 pandemic until like three weeks after like the global shutdown. So he got on social media and it was like, what, what's going on? It was what's top tier comedy. What's going on? What's happening? Ezra, did I cut you off? Did you have any more movies you wanted to share? None that I'd really recommend. I enjoyed them all, but I don't really think there was any other ones I watched that were really worth talking about. Did you guys both watch the Harry Potter reunion, by the way? Yes, I did. I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. I liked it way more than I thought I would. I thought there were some really good candid answers from the cast. And usually I'm not a huge fan of those reunions. So I, didn't, I watched. I didn't. Oh, sorry to interject. I, I didn't watch it. Was it kind of like the um, like the Friends reunion where it wasn't <laughs> like more I content? watched the Friends reunion. Let me okay, tell you, but, Lenny. The only NFTs I'm into are no friends on TV. I don't. I don't watch that garbage. Well, that's more of an NFOT. I wish I could block chain you in real life. Am I right? Uh, I, I, would I don't just know if it's a your head, Josh. What was that? It wasn't Anyways. a good joke. Moving forward. Uh, so I watched the last picture show in O2, the legendary American director, Peter Bogdanovich, who passed away very recently. Uh, you may know him as director of the last picture show, Paper Moon, uh, as well as Dr. Elliot Kufferberg in TV's The Sopranos. Iconic role. Mm -hmm. Any other roles that stand out to you, Ezra, of Peter Bogdanovich? Well, I'd say probably his greatest role was his guest starring appearance on How I Met Your Mother as a... Uh, upper class gentleman at a party that the gang is trying to crash and uh it ends with an iconic line by him as he's going down the elevator after the party he's saying to himself willem defoe in that exact voice over and over again it's probably one of the best moments from the show i Ezra also actually watched... dubbed the voice did you ezra is that your your other gig you do look voice up work? on imdb you'll see ezra has one credit for that specific episode of how i met your mother <laughs> I also I watched I The Hurt Locker. I watched The Hurt Locker yesterday. Uh, I watched an interesting documentary. I don't know if you guys have seen called Feels Good Man. It's right up your alley, Lenny. It's about Pepe the Frog. Uh, and then I watched Bone Tomahawk the other day. Have oh, you seen my that? God. That seems like a Lenny movie, Bone Tomahawk. Oh, you like that yeah. movie? It's it's a movie. It's, it's certainly a piece of cinema. For uh, anyone not familiar with Bone Tomahawk, it's like a cannibal western movie that features some really very graphic deaths it's like the hills have eyes meet tombstone yeah so that's what i've been watching i know one movie we've all watched a little transition there is don't look up don't look up is our movie our uh extra butter film of the day so that's what we will be focusing on so just to get into it don't look up a 2021 film directed by adam mckay who you might know from such films as Step Brothers. Uh, Anchorman, then his more recent foray into more serious topics with Vice and uh, the 
the other big short the big short excuse me the yeah big short the big short he also is the executive producer of tv's succession so uh a little plot summary to low-level astronomers leonardo dicaprio and jennifer lawrence go on a giant media tour to warn mankind of the approaching comet that will destroy planet earth on their journey they meet some colorful characters including president meryl streep uh son of the president slash top advisor jonah hill and then you've got Mark Rylance playing generic big tech CEO, uh, as well as Timothy Chalamet as oui, oui. weird weird guy. I don't know how to describe his role. Uh, Ezra, kid. yeah, Gen Z kid. Ezra, why don't we start out? What were your thoughts on Don't Look Up? I thought it was an interesting film. I thought there was a lot to like about it. I thought there was a lot to dislike about it. I think compared to Adam McKay's other work, it's probably his weakest film he's done in this kind of genre. So that would be Vice and The Big Short. But I also think there's a lot of good things in this film. I really like all the performances in it. I think to me, Jonah Hill really stood out. Um, I really enjoyed uh, Kate Blanchett. Really like Leonardo DiCaprio, but I'm a huge Leo fan. I know a lot of people aren't, but I think he's a great actor. I know Lenny's uh, favorite performance in this was Ron Perlman. Yeah, well, that's just because Ron Perlman was Lenny. Um, I am, but, in fact, Ron Perlman. <laughs> you know, I uh, liked Mark Rylance's character, I think because of how uncomfortable he made me, which I think was the point, but I know not everyone will agree with that take. Um, I think the movie was too long. It was almost two and a half hours long. I think they could have cut out a large section in the middle and still had a pretty good film. I think he was a little too broad with what he was trying to satirize. I think he tried too hard to satirize Hollywood, government, big business, uh, media, all these different things. I think he really should have picked one or two areas to really focus on. Um, yeah, it would one, be interesting. Oh, go ahead, Josh. I, I would agree with you. I think he kind of forced in the Ariana Grande and Kid Cudi dynamic. Yeah. And he had that like original song in there, which frankly yeah. kind of stunk. I thought maybe that was a little bit of a overkill moment. And then whenever I love, whenever they say the name of the movie in the movie, but in this, they just kept saying, don't look up, don't look up. It's like, you know, it's not like at the end of no country for old men. When Tommy Lee Jones says, boy, this really is no country for old men. And this was just a little too much, but go ahead, go off. Yeah, I really agree. I think they could have cut out Ariana Grande and Kid Cudi and it would have made zero difference to the film. Probably would have made the film even a little bit better. Uh, Mm -hmm. One thing that would be interesting is that I read that a lot of this movie was written before the pandemic started because the metaphor in this, the asteroid is supposed to be a metaphor for climate change. And that was the big focus. But I heard once the pandemic started, they rewrote certain sections to be more applicable to the pandemic as it was going on. And they also allowed some of the characters like Jonah Hill to do some improv, which I think with when you're trying to write sharp satire isn't the way to go. Um, It would have been interesting to see what the movie would have been like if we had seen it in its original intended form. I wonder if it would have been more focused, more concrete, would have had uh, less uh, yeah, fat to it. It would have been a little leaner picture. Yeah, I would really agree with a lot of what you were saying. I was I was pretty disappointed, maybe a little more negative on this film than you were, Ezra. Uh, I thought with this cast and a seemingly very intriguing premise, there was a lot of hype going to this one, especially holiday season, kind of. Uh, I guess you'd call this a blockbuster based on its cast, but the movie... I think thought maybe it was a little more clever than it was. It was an extremely ham-fisted satire. There was no subtlety to it, which I think McKay, you have to either go all in, which he did with the big short and vice, for example, 
or, you know, kind of play a little more coy, which he, he kind of gets stuck in the middle there. Um, things like breaking the fourth wall, like we saw in the big short and vice, uh, like the funny captions and vice, I thought, uh, that kind of give the elements, uh, they were teased a little bit in this, but they weren't really there. I don't think McKay fully committed to the bit, uh, to satirize like he did in his other movies. So I think that's one place where it was lacking for me. Uh, additionally, I, I liked most of the main characters. I thought Jonah Hill basically played Jonah Hill from This Is The End, a fictionalized version of him, which I thought was good. Uh, Meryl Streep was good as the president. I kind of felt like we wasted Mark Rylance here. He's one of the most celebrated stage actors of our generation. I felt this role was a little bit cheap for him. It was just like, oh, generic Zuckerberg, Jobs, Bezos guy who we're supposed to, were programmed to dislike because of big tech. But there was no depth to his character. It was just, oh, we dislike him because we're supposed to dislike these guys in real life. So I thought there wasn't really enough screen time here to make the character his own. Can you elaborate so, on that? Like, what exactly do you think would have been better for him to do? Well, I think one common comparison that I, Ezra may have brought up earlier was in the movie Ready Player One. He plays kind of an awkward tech giant. But in that movie, he's on, he's get, he gets a lot more screen time and there's more depth to his role because it's based on a book. Here, it's just like, we're supposed to dislike him, but I have no reason to dislike him. Like, what did he do in this movie? Like, he tried to mine the asteroids, sure. But like, hey, as a CEO, your right. fiduciary duty is to your corporation and your shareholders, not the world. So he was doing what he is legally obligated to do, and that's maximize revenue for his shareholders. So I, I had a hard time getting on, on him for that. And I understand kind of the general joke there, like, oh, just another way to doom the environment for corporate profits. Ah, but like, he kind of did the right thing. So overall, I just thought this this was a ham-fisted satire that felt more like a two and a half hour SNL skit than it did a movie. It was almost just disjointed uh, set of acts to me. So I was I was pretty disappointed. Uh, you know, I, I, I think agree. I think with the tech plan, as you say, he didn't do anything wrong. That might be true. But I think the real uh, point they're trying to get across is that there was no backup plan. Because they canceled a plan that would have worked to divert the comment in order to reprofit from it. And then they didn't have a backup plan. I don't want to give away spoilers, but uh, the uh, plan that the tech billionaire came up with was their only plan. They didn't have a backup in case well, something didn't work out. Quite they the had way the they original plan. Why couldn't they just go back to that? Well, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to say too much because it would give away some of the plot. Well, their plan. Think- their plan to mine the asteroid fails. They're going to try and blow it up and get all the elements. But originally they had a plan. Was the asteroid just too close to Earth at that point? Is that why they couldn't use that anymore? I think it wasn't. I think it wasn't necessarily the proximity. I think it was that in addition to the velocity of the well body. If you remember in the movie, the Russians launch the plan originally and it doesn't work. The plan to divert the asteroid. If you remember, it yeah. uh, the rocket yeah. they're using blows up on the launch pad well that's just shoddy russian craftsmanship it's not the science of it all right well that might be the joke so in theory couldn't they just use that plan just with the american rockets they already had after generic tech man plan fails i don't know just my thoughts Uh, lenny what did you think of the movie we haven't heard your take yet generally i don't want to be you know too redundant uh but generally i agree with what josh said um hear that ezra well, I do think Ezra makes a good point as well uh, in some I think regards. He agrees with me. Um, 
in some regards and in some regards not most regards um i don't know it felt like a really ham-fisted version of corporatist satire like mckay's been on this stint where he's just you know raining hellfire down upon his political enemies and his he wants to make his stance known which you know fine he's a filmmaker he's an artist that's his prerogative go ahead and do it um it just didn't seem like it was done as effectively as it could have been done um i think ezra is probably onto something there with the fact that it was reworked uh in the era of covid to try and shoehorn some of those thematic elements into there um but all in all you know it's a it's a fine film you can watch it while you fold laundry it's nothing to go rush out and go see it's you know it's it's no it's no frozen you're not gonna miss out on life if you don't see it what did you guys think of all the main characters do you guys like dicaprio and, and jennifer lawrence in this i am sick and tired of jennifer lawrence playing jennifer lawrence in movies starring jennifer lawrence it is a tired gimmick and i am sick of it i don't know she, she hasn't been in anything for a while nor should I, she ever be in anything ever again i disagree too that she plays jennifer lawrence i mean you look at our characters in the winter's bone um uh silver lion's playbook joy jennifer uh, lawrence. american hustle jennifer the david lawrence. red sparrow she's jennifer not, lawrence she's not playing a jennifer lawrence character i would argue that she does play a bit of a jennifer lawrence character in the x-men movies mystique is really just jennifer lawrence it is jennifer um, lawrence but I think I think Jennifer Lawrence is a good actress, and I think uh, she's taken a little bit of break from acting. She hasn't been in anything too recently. I'm excited to see her come back. I've not been a necessary fan, but I've never been a hater of Jennifer Lawrence either. Look, we get it. You love Jennifer Lawrence. You made your point known. I like Jennifer Lawrence. I'm really excited to see her in McKay's next film, where she'll be playing. Where she plays uh, Jennifer Lawrence. She'll be playing Elizabeth Holmes, actually. You know, it might be interesting to see her in kind of more a biopic role because she won't be playing Jennifer Lawrence. But uh, Elizabeth Holmes is one of the most we'll intriguing people to me. Just who the fact that who is she, Elizabeth Holmes again? She was the founder of Theranos, which was the company that claimed they could diagnose everything that will ever get be wrong with you by one drop of blood. And it turned out they just couldn't do any of that. And she was just basically defrauding tech guys for like years. And then someone's like, hey, can we see your machine? And she's like, well, we don't really have one. And so now she's... <laughs> She's like legitimately on trial right now, or she might have actually the she verdict. Got she got indicted, yeah. but she's like an all time like five counts. She's an all time character. She does like fake Yoda quotes. She has like a fake deep voice. She like idolizes Steve Jobs. She's that's going to be a really interesting story. So I'm very excited I, for that. I look really forward crazy. to that film. I think it'll be good. Yeah, it's, it's another much- McKay one. The um the th- I forgot how to pronounce the company's name, but her company's board had Henry Kissinger Theranos. on Theranos had Henry Kissinger and a bunch of other like really high up like legacy government officials. It's it's fascinating. I think wasn't it Henry Kissinger's grandson who went to work for her, who was one of the original whistleblowers? Is that uh, it? Might have been. I think that was a former Secretary of State, and maybe not Kissinger. But oh, okay. I, I, know, I don't I know, know my government. To. I'm not big government guy like I'm you. Not a big lizard person. No. So uh, overall, I think we're all pretty much in agreement on Don't Look Up. Lenny, give us your official butter rating. The extra buttered scale, as you guys all know, goes from one stick of butter. I guess you could do a half a stick of butter, like most recipes call for, uh, to five full sticks of butter. How many sticks of butter are you giving this bad boy? Two sticks of butter and three tablespoons of a stick. 
just just give us that's two and a half sticks of butter two and a half sticks ezra how about you so it's tough for me to properly rate this film but i think at the end of the day i'd give it three sticks with the addendum that it's an enjoyable film to watch Mm-hmm. I think it's a film you would enjoy watching with your family. If you're like our age, it might be something nice to watch with your parents when you go home. Um, three. I think three is a really solid. I'm not uh, down on the movie. I think it's not a great movie, but I find it very enjoyable. So yeah, definitely three sticks of butter. For yeah, me. I, I'm in agreement with you, Harazer. I think it was just a very average film. I think maybe it was bolstered by some really solid performances and uh, a very big cast. So I would also it looks say good three. too. It's a good looking film. It's filmed really nice. I yeah, uh, I, I thought it was filmed well. And it has, I actually, one thing none of us mentioned, I thought the music, the background music composed by Nicholas Bertel, who does Succession, was really solid in this film as well. So I, I would also say three. It's fine. It definitely didn't scratch that itch for a great satire film, like I think we were all hoping. But I'd like it was, to revise my what rating, it was. actually. No, that's not allowed. It's not, is that against the rules? Yeah, the it butter. Locks the butter. In the minute you say it. Once, once you put in the butter, we put it in the freezer, so you can't. You know, <laughs> I never received melted. my copy of the bylines. I didn't. Uh, tragic. Or what, bylaws. What, why? What would you change it to? Well, my all-time personal hero, Steven Seagal, did have a slight cameo in this film that I think merits at least another half stick of butter. Um, when you first go into the Oval Office and you're interacting with Meryl Streep. There's pictures of her with a bunch of celebrities and America's sweetheart, Steven Seagal is fatly in one of those pictures. And I think that merits a half stick of butter. Did, uh, well, did, you already did, made your rating. So too late. What did you you guys- know, speaking of cameos, Josh, real quick. Did you guys notice that there were Michael Chiklis was in the film? Yeah. For yet, like a minute. And apparently Matthew Perry was also supposed to be in the film. They were both friends? supposed to play like right wing media personalities. And Michael Chiklis is in maybe a brief scene that you see, and that's it. And Matthew Perry doesn't show up at all. Like Matthew so, Perry from Friends, right? Uh, yes, not the other Matthew Perry. The one who opened Japan. Right, not that one. Um, so I just thought that was weird. It's just saying that, that since you mentioned cameos, I just thought of mm-hmm. Well, you also had a unusual. really brief role with Ron Perlman. Of course, we had the Kid Cudi and Ariana Grande characters as well. And I actually saw Sarah Silverman, too, briefly. Yeah, Sarah Silverman. I mean, there's Himesh Patel is in there for a couple scenes. They could have saved so much money on, like, cameos and just made a more consistent film. Like, you didn't need to pay $5 million for all these people. Uh, Right. Leif Shriver uh, narrates the Bash phone video, I believe. Uh, Leif Shriver, by the way, great narrator. uh, uh, Uh. uh, what's his name? Evans from the Marvel movies. Oh, Chris, Chris Evans. Evans. Yeah, Chris, Chris Evans. Evans. He's briefly in it as well. Yeah, he plays like an action hero in the Meteor movie they talk about. One might right. say a superhero. Yeah. So anyway, I think we're all, our ratings are all set in stone. It's going to be three sticks of butter from Zoranai and a two and a half butter movie for Lenny. Uh, so before we move on, any final thoughts on Don't Look Up? I say, uh, see it. Yeah, I think you'll enjoy it. So today's throwback review today, uh, something on a lighter note, a movie I actually just watched yesterday, uh, Sing Street, a 2016 film directed by John Carney. 
featuring actors you probably don't know, except for Aiden Gill and Jack Rayner are probably the two biggest names in this. Uh, Lucy Boynton, actually, who plays Rafina, has had a nice career now. She was in uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. And so it's basically, to put this movie simply, it takes place in Dublin in the 1980s, a economically depressed time, I'm assuming, based on the movie. Uh, you have a boy transferring to a lower class school. And it's a simple tale. Boy sees girl. Boy forms band to impress girl. Band is pretty good. And then from there, uh, who knows? They are. They're very good. So this is a movie I know we all watched. It's a real feel-good film. Why don't you start us off with this one, uh, Len? I mean, like you said, it's a feel-good film. I have a lot of great memories of watching this in college uh, with the fellas. Um, The soundtrack is phenomenal. There's a lot of original original pieces in it. Um, I don't know. You know, I feel like it got, I don't think it got the love it really deserved um critically not, it did it did a lot but like box office numbers wise it was very under uh, right, underappreciated right. like i don't know i feel like it do- definitely could have the appeal to be a commercial flick it just i guess wasn't at the time for whatever reason um yeah i think my favorite song from it is riddle of the model um yeah it's very good great for our, the whole fam feel good film might have some light drowning at the end. No one really knows. But yeah, I'll pass it off to Ezra. Ezra, what did you think? I I think it's a great film. It's uh, something I enjoy. I remember college as well. I think there was one semester where we maybe watched it 10 or 12 times because we just enjoyed it so much. Uh, the music's great. The story's great. Uh, one thing that's a little unusual is all the actors are quite young, which oftentimes is a problem in movies, but they're all brilliant in their roles. They all are tremendous actors. I think they're still young now, but I think they'll all have tremendous careers if they decide to keep with the industry. You know, because of the age of all the actors, many say it is the Irish it. Well, you say that. I don't know if you qualify as many. You're large enough to be several people, but it's just body, you. Body shimming on episode one. Wow. I'm sorry about your height. I, you know, you're very tall. I'm very jealous of. It. What's your favorite song from the movie, Ezra? I think uh, it has to be "Drive It Like You Stole It." I think that is such a classic film, and the way it's filmed in the movie is brilliant. I, you know, in Ireland they don't have proms, even though that's a prom scene in the movie. It made me think, man, I wish we had proms like that here in America even though we do. That's how good it was. Yeah, for me, uh, I think my favorite song might be To Find You, the song he plays for Rafina at the end. Uh, I I really love this movie. It's a feel-good movie. There's not a ton that can be said uh, that hasn't already been said. What's the name of the older brother in the film, that actor? Oh, Jack Rayner. Really good performance by him. Before he kind of saw the mainstream with... uh, uh, Transformers. Well, that's not what I was thinking of. I was thinking of the Ari Aster horror movie that I, for uh, Midsummer, right? Oh, Midsummer. See, I was, he was in also one of the major Transformers movies. I think that was his first big international role. Oh, I, I haven't seen, I'm not, I know you're a big Transformers guy, Ezra. I don't think I've seen all of them. The TCU, Transformers Cinematic Universe. Transformers, yeah. So I really like this movie. I think the music is phenomenal, not just the original stuff, but I like, uh, you know, there's some Duran Duran in there. I like one little moment that the first song that Rafina asks our hero to sing to her is a take on me 
by Aha. And then in an, a more somber moment in the movie, you get a nice piano uh, cover of that song. That's kind of an underappreciated detail. I really like John Carney. Ezra, I know you're a big fan of his other films. Well, I will say I'm a huge fan of his first big film, which was called Once. It's uh, the story of a, uh, a vacuum fixer who lives in Dublin, Dublin. who meets a uh, immigrant woman from somewhere in Eastern Europe, and they form a real bond over music. He's a busker as well, and she plays the piano, and they form this really beautiful relationship. Um, I It also has great songs. John Carney, before he was in movies, he was in a band. He has he's a great songwriter he's a great musician i believe um, uh super enjoyable. i believe once had the 2007 academy award winning best original song on it i believe it did uh falling slowly is yep. an incredible song and once was also adapted into a broadway musical that i believe won several awards for that okay. as well once I also really nails since... the ending i'm not going to give it away but the ending yeah. it nails it's I've great i've never once seen it um, I've not seen Life Itself, which I believe is the name of his... Begin Do Again. Do I have that right, Josh? Begin Again. Begin Again. I Life Itself uh, well, is I like a seen... Josh Dumel rom-com. Yeah. Well, I haven't seen that one. If you have, maybe you could talk more about that. Uh, I saw it. It didn't do a ton for me. I think maybe Carney's niche is these kind of more indie movies. And he did Begin Again in between once in Sing Street. And I think Sing Street's more of a getting back to your roots type movie and begin again is a fine movie, but it doesn't do it for me the way sing street or once even did. What so, was the budget for that, sing street? Sing street. I'm yeah. not sure. Pretty low. Oh, 4 million. Yeah. Wow. I think his first movie once had like a budget of like around a hundred thousand dollars. And most of the money pulled out when Cillian Murphy, who was originally attached to it, pulled out. And so Carney had to self fund it partially and i'm sure that it's probably one of the highest grossing movies actually if you just do how much it's made versus how much it costs the gross yeah so once once is also a movie i'd highly recommend so i agree anyone have anything else on sing street uh no i think we hit every nail on the head Mm -hmm. definitely a feel-good movie definitely something to watch are you guys familiar with the streaming service hoopla Hoopla. No, I have not heard of that. So I didn't know about it till earlier this week when, and I actually watched Sing Street on it last night. So Hoopla, hoopladigital.com, no free ads, Hoopla, sponsor us. <laughs> but uh, it's a way to rent movies for free just using your library card. So I've watched like three movies on it this week, all free, great platform. So shout out Hoopla again, Hoopla, <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> Hoopla executives, if you're listening, uh, maybe throw us uh, some cash and we'll promote the service. That's and that goes H-O-O-P-L-A-H. for double O P L A H hoopla digital.com. Uh, and that goes out for any other streaming service executives who happen to be listening to this. We are movie pass. To... If you're out there. Yeah. Movie pass. I'm still a shareholder. So uh, still looking for my, re- I'm waiting for a return on my investment there. Please come so, back. I miss you. Movie pass, man. Those were the days. So, how many sticks of butter would you guys give sing street? Sing Street for five. me is four and a half sticks. Okay. How it's about you? definitely five for me. Well, I was going to say four because I wanted to save my five. Um, I don't want to inflate the, the butter market here. Um, so I'm going to give it four, I think four and a quarter. No, we're, we're not. 
Oh my God. No tablespoons. <laughs> Ezra, are we doing half. quarters? Ezra, are we doing quarters here? What's the, what's the, no, that's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. And four, four and a half sticks of butter. Okay. So me and Lenny here, both four and a half sticks, Ezra coming in with a full five sticks. Uh, I get that, Lenny, because I don't want to dilute my ratings either. Right. On the over yeah. 1,300 films I have logged on my Letterboxd account, I believe I've only Letterboxd given... Letterboxd sponsor us. Yeah, we're open to that as well. I believe that I've only given maybe 25 or 30 a full five... No, I think even less than that. I think I've only given a full five stars to about 15 or 20 films out of the nearly 1,300 I have logged. So, so t- typically, what do you look for in a five-star film? What does that look like for you? I don't think it's something I look for. I think movies to an extent have to make you feel something like, for example, when I watch Joker, well, no, but maybe for you, because you see yourself as the Joker because you're an anti-society loner who's going to shoot someone too far extreme, but okay. (laughs) Well, Joker is an extreme movie. Like, for example, some movies I've given five stars. Uh, Are you guys familiar? Obviously, you are Parasite. You guys saw Parasite. Yeah, 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 great film. For me, walking out of the theater, I even tweeted this out. You can give me a follow at the real Josh. I even called my cousin Joey walking out. I'm like, go see Parasite. It's movies like that. That's why you go to the theater. Cousin Joey sponsor us. Yeah. Uh, no Country for Old Men, a movie I almost watched last night. One of my favorite. It's so atmospheric. I love the neo westerns. I think in incredible performances in that movie by a number of people. I think the most who stands out. It's probably Javier Bardem in an Oscar-winning performance as Anton Chigar. The best part of that movie, the best part of that movie is when Javier Bardem says, you know what? Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones. No Country for Old Men. Uh, Another movie, Empire Strikes Back for me is a five-star movie. Really? Uh, I grew up up on Empire Strikes Back. When I was homesick, every day I'd wind up the VHS of Empire Strikes Back. And I think uh, cinematically, the final 20 minutes or that are still some of the most gorgeous stuff put on film. The duel in Cloud City. You've got the lightsabers, the red and blue crossing with the steam coming in the end. So for me, the that's freezing a five of Han. Yeah, the freezing. Yeah, like that's an I- Those are iconic. So those are some movies uh, that I've given five stars to. How about you guys? What are what do you look for when you see a five five stick of butter film? Well, like you said, got to got to feel something. Um when I think of a five-star movie or rather five stick of butter, the first one that comes to mind is boyhood. Um, that movie. The movie? Really, yeah. Oh, okay. Not, the not, Richard not the Linklater con- film. Yeah, not the concept of uh, being pubescent, but the, well, the nostalgia, film. nostalgia plays into it a lot for me. No, for some sure. of the movies I've given like, like uh, empire, as I mentioned, or like die hard, which was the first yeah, rated hard, movie I ever yeah. saw. Um, Godfather for sure. Yep. Um, I would say Goodfellas is also up there for me. Goodfellas, amazing film. Uh, uh, Silence by Scorsese. Um, I actually watched that recently. Oh, it's uh, it's one of my favorites. Probably maybe we'll, maybe five. that'll be our subject for our next throwback review on the next Extra Butter. Works for me. Sounds creamy. You know, I rarely give five star reviews as well, and I have no criteria for it. I don't even understand why I give some movies five stars, but they just speak to me in a way that a four and a half doesn't. Um, but I'm like you, Josh, I've probably out of the over a thousand movies I've watched, I probably consider maybe 25, 30 five-star films for me. Like my automatic five stars are like Goodwill hunting and like uh, hot fuzz. Hot, really? fuzz, hot yeah. fuzz is one of the smartest best written movies ever. I think it's incredible. Um, Sing streets up there. Uh, 
it's hard to really pinpoint, but there are just a few movies that really speak to me. Empire is also one of them for me. Ezra, I know you gave Booksmart five stars. That's one where we'll disagree. I Yeah, I loved Booksmart. I've watched it like 10 times since it came out. I think it's a great film. I think it's a five-star film. Yeah, we'll I'm agree to... the only person who thinks that. I think we're going to have to agree to disagree on that one. I think I'm just worried about inflating like the butter market. Like I'm very... I want to kind of like nail down what I think of as a five stick movie because I don't want to like throw like everything that makes me feel something five sticks. Yeah, well, I'm with you. And I, I think maybe as we go on and we review more movies, we'll kind of set a better we'll scale. Find it. it's, it's on a perfect system for sure. Yeah. Well, you know, it should have, you know, great acting, great screenplay, make you feel something, great cinematography, great direction. It should look good. Uh, it shouldn't feel like it drags at all. I think that's a huge thing with movies. Pacing, yeah. Pacing's if I huge. see a movie and at no point do I feel like looking at my phone or looking at my watch, that's a real sign of quality for me. Right. Mm-hmm. Paddington 2. That's a five-star Ooh. film for me. Love that film. I, I think we might have to be, give that a rare like six stick. Yeah, if possible. <laughs> so let's uh, let's wrap up here. I think the last thing I want to do, maybe go over our top three movies of 2021. And I'll preface this for all of us by saying, I know for me specifically, there are a ton of movies I still have on my watch list that I'm hoping to see by February, like Oscar time. Uh, For me, those movies include uh, Drive My Car, which is getting a lot of press. Uh, Titan, I think is how you pronounce the French movie from the director of Raw, a French movie that Ezra and I started watching in college and Ezra was too squeamish to get through. Uh, And some other true. Raw is hard. Did you watch it? Watch it with you. No, oh, we, we didn't get through it when we started watching it in college. I recently went back and finished it. It's 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 a interesting film. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, so Ezra, what are your top three films of the year? So it was hard for me to pick my top three as I went back through my letterbox account to. If you want to do four, I'd allow it. <laughs> to take uh, account of all the movies I watched, and I realized that because I wasn't going to theaters, I maybe only watched. 15, 20 movies that actually came out this past year. Of those, I did have many I enjoyed a lot, so it was hard to narrow down, but I'd have to say my top three are in no particular order. It's not one, two, three. These are just my top three. Are Dune. I thought it was a great movie. I loved it. I like anything Denny Villeneuve does. I think he's an incredible director. I think everything he does is golden. Um, We'll have to save that for another podcast because I'd love to debate you on Denny Villeneuve. Well, we'll see. I don't think Yikes. you could win that debate, but we'll maybe our see. next yeah. extra butter segment will be uh, top three Denny films. Yeah. And then um, number uh, another film would be Shang-Chi. I think it was a great uh, film. I think it was one of Marvel's best films they've put out recently, which is saying a lot because they've had Strongly you know, disagree. The Infinity War and Endgame. Um, I really like the lead actor in it. I'm a huge fan of Aquafina. I think she's a really funny actress. And I think uh, if you ever saw The Farewell, she's also a very good actress in general. Uh, I think it does suffer, like all Marvel movies do, from an overbloated CGI fest third act. But I still think it was quite a good film. Uh, Another, My final movie in my top three would be Tick, Tick, Boom. I think it was a great film. Andrew Garfield, everyone's talking about him, and this is one of the movies why. He is so good in it. He is a great singer, performer. 
He really lives up to the character. He really immerses himself in it. I wouldn't be shocked if he gets an Oscar nomination for this role. Um, but it's also a great film. It's directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda, who is a well-known name in the community. I wasn't sure how he would do as a director, but I think this was really solid. I think it helps that it wasn't his own music, because I think sometimes he can be a little too, I don't know the right word, but this music was written by Jonathan Larson. It's about Jonathan Larson's life. That's who Andrew Garfield plays. Uh, just an incredible film. It's on Netflix. So if you have uh, two hours, I recommend if you haven't seen it, please do. Very nice. And I think this is one of the big drivers in Andrew Garfield's renaissance this year. How about you, Len? Well, two things, uh, first and foremost. The, the Andrew Renaissance, Andrew Garfield Renaissance has never not been going on. The man is great. Um, I lost my train of thought on that. So moving on. Uh, Shang-Chi. Um, I don't, the pacing on like the, for the third act, it's really kind of killed it for me. Uh, like you mentioned earlier, like if you're checking your phone a lot during it, it's just not going to do it for you. There's a special place in hell reserved for those who check their phones at the movie theater, by the way. Yikes. Well, uh, I checked it a few times when you and I oh saw my. Phantom Thread, but... Well, Phantom Thread, we'll have to do a Paul Thomas Anderson episode, too. For We'll do a, a worst movies of ever episode. Um, Phantom Thread, most people cite as his best, a movie you and I hated. How is that? It's, it's garbage. We'll get back to that. We'll get back yeah. to that. Um, I don't know. I, I really enjoy the soundtrack to Shang-Chi. Um, I love 88 Rising, the record label that produced the whole thing. Um, it was visually pleasing. Like, I thought it was, you know, like how, um, oh, what's his name? Um, Shang-Chi? The, no, the British, the British fella. Just go on. Anyways, <laughs> no, uh, I, have no idea. I, I like I like how they brought back like the guy. Oh, Ben Kingsley. Thank ben you. Kingsley. Thank oh, you. Oh, the Mandarin. The Mandarin. Yeah, yeah, the Mandarin Orange. Yeah, uh, I enjoyed how they kind of like give that a nice bookend. Um, I don't know. It was it was fun. I just I couldn't think about putting it in my top three. Um, so, what are your top three? My top three are Dune for sure. I'm very glad Frank Herbert is finally getting a more than decent cinematic adaptation. Um, you know, David Lynch's Dune is fun because if you like Dune, you're going to like whatever is attached to Dune. Um, what about Alexander is... Yadorowski's failed attempt at Dune? We don't talk about the bad times. Um, Last Night in Soho, I thought was very fun. Um, I was a little disappointed by Last Night in Soho. There's definitely like, I can definitely see like why people wouldn't particularly like it. I mean, for myself, there's this whole gimmick throughout the film where you don't know if it's supernatural or if this girl has some form of psychosis or it's kind of hard to like sift, sift through it and the film doesn't really even make it clear in and of itself um so that i think kind of, also edgar wright's just going to be held to such a high standard right. when you come off of the movies he's made i mean his last five movies i mean sparks brothers uh baby driver the cornetto trilogy it's going to be hard to top those I, is is um hot fuzz that's part of the cornetto trilogy correct correct that's correct that is a fantastic uh set of films i'm gonna have to rewatch in a in the near future uh but lastly um and certainly not least my uh third film for 2021 was evangelion 3.0 plus 1.0 uh this was the final installment to the neon genesis evangelion film reboots 
Um, now I know neither of you are typical anime fans, but um, Neon Genesis Evangelion is one of the most influential anime ever created. And for some reason, I don't really exactly know why. No one really knows why this guy does anything. Uh, it, uh, the creator decided to reboot them in a cinematic um, medium. And it's a very, it, it's nice to finally have it ended. These movies have been mired in controversy and have been in production hell for so long. Like I'm pretty sure this one was supposed to come out like three or four years ago. So it's nice to finally have it out and have that closure. So were they good, the, the controversial remakes? um yeah they're good i mean personally i like the the anthology series better where it's just you know like 13 or 12 12 or 13 episodes of just plot uh like when it was uh, syndicated and serialized um but the movies definitely take a different approach to it so if you like anime i'd recommend watching neon genesis evangelion as a series first and then go and watch the movies gotcha uh so for me in no particular order uh number one would be the green knight uh, a movie I was really excited for. I saw it was getting great reviews. And for me, it stood up. Uh, it lived up to the hype. I thought Dev Patel, maybe a career defining performance. Um, and I really liked David Lowry's direction. I thought visually it was stunning. One scene that comes to mind for me is the scene with the Giants. You guys have both seen the film, correct? Yeah. Um, oh, you no. haven't. Ezra, you would really like Ooh. it. I really want to see it. It's one of my most anticipated movies that I have not yet seen. Well, I won't spoil the ending, but I loved the last like 20 minutes or so. I think it's a great sequence. So visually stunning. And I really am a sucker for a good arterial tale. And we don't get a ton of good adaptions. So for me, The Green Knight is probably my favorite movie of the year. Uh, another movie I really liked, Pig. I don't know if you guys saw that. Oh, I wanted to see that. With Nicolas Cage. Yeah, I haven't it's seen it yet. Though. On Hulu right now, it's on my list. Oh, you should see that. Maybe I won't go into it too much because I know you guys are going to watch that. But it was a movie I also knew very little about going into, and I thought it was fantastic. A great performance by Nicolas Cage. And it's hard for me to really say anything else without ruining the ending, so I'll leave it at that. And then finally, uh, Licorice Pizza, a Paul Thomas Anderson oh, banger. I want to see know. that so badly. There's no theater around here showing it. Really? Yeah, I can't find it showing. Not at the uh, Esquire? Last time I checked, it wasn't on. It wasn't showing up on Flickster. Gotcha. Flickster sponsor us. Yeah, someone sponsor us. So Licorice Pizza, uh, a really fun, not the weighty Paul Thomas Anderson movies we're used to, like Phantom Thread. Uh, for me, what stood out in this movie was the chemistry between Cooper Hoffman, who is the son of the late Philip Seymour Hoffman, a frequent collaborator with PTA, and uh, Alana Hyam of the band Hyam. I don't know. Do you guys listen to their music? I've heard a track or two. So I like the band. And I think for someone who's not an actress, I think, and even for an actress, I think she's fantastic. And then you've got some really nice supporting performances by Sean Penn, uh, throw Bradley Cooper in there. So Bradley Licorice Cooper looks hilarious in the trailer. Yeah. So for me, Licorice Pizza, I think, is one of my favorite movies of the year. It's a it's a love story. It's almost the obvious comparison that I think everyone's making is that it's just an ode to a different time and place similar to uh, Hot La La Land. Uh, no. Uh, Holly Once Quentin upon Tarantino, a time. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. This is kind of just an ode to the San Fernando Valley in the 80s, much like that was an ode to old Hollywood. So Licorice Pizza, a movie I would highly recommend. And it's not going to be for everyone. It's not the most exciting movie necessarily. But for me, it almost reminded me of a, a version of Rushmore. Have you guys seen Rushmore? No, I have. 
Uh, so it reminded me a little bit of a mixture between Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Rushmore, which are both two tremendous films. What other movies did not quite make your list, but that you guys really liked this year? Uh, Nightmare Alley. If you guys haven't seen Nightmare Alley, go I haven't see gotten that. around to that yet. It's intense. Mm-hmm. Um, no, there's it's it's got a little bit of everything. You know, it's it's funny. It's it's not the same Del Toro. How do you pronounce his name? Del Toro. Um, Guillermo Del Toro. Del Toro. There isn't like you know, supernatural CGI Muppet stuff going on. Um, but it, it definitely, it's a, it's a head scratcher. It's a nail biter. It's a stomach churner. It's all the things. It, it does a gotcha. lot to you. Have you guys seen Power of the Dog? I have not. I'd recommend checking that out. That's going to get some awards love. That's on Netflix. And one movie that I didn't know quite where to place, because it's not really a movie, but I thought it was fantastic piece of content from this year was uh, Bo Burnham's Inside. Are you guys familiar with that? Yeah. Um, yeah. It was, it was amazing. I think yeah. I don't know how to quite describe it, but I, that's why I didn't it. include it in my list. I know that's probably not up Lenny's alley. Cause it's like, Oh, lib comedian no. alert, but I, I thought it was, it was, it's fine. I mean, you take them as they are. Um, I don't really know if I would put it in the same like categorization as the rest of these though. Fair enough. So that's pretty much all I had for today. Any other movies you guys want to touch on? before we're back do we want to decide what we're going to do next week uh yeah i think we should pick a movie that we want to talk about our movie of the week so to say mm-hmm. uh do you have any ideas jeff uh i don't know i think maybe our throwback movie could be no country okay great film. that would give me a great excuse to watch it exactly and then what are we thinking for uh new movie of the week well, you know, you just mentioned it. I haven't seen it yet. Lenny hasn't seen it yet. You have, but we could do Power of the Power Dog. Power of the Dog? Yeah, it's a good idea. I'll, let's plan on doing the Power of the Dog next week, which uh, for all you listeners out there who want to watch it, it is on Netflix. Netflix sponsor us. Someone sponsor us. So I think that's all I had for today. Anything else you guys wanted to touch on? Well, uh, not really, but thank you for tuning in to Extra Butter. Extra Butter? Oh. Yep, and you can hear our exit music is playing. So for your hosts, uh, Sam Mangold Leonard, a.k.a. Len and Ezra, I'm Josh reminding you, uh, add the butter. Thanks for being with us today, folks.